you're carrying whatever you need to survive. And, you know, you're surviving from convenience store to convenience store to convenience store. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1046, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, just letting you know that we've got some openings available on the coaching front So uh, at, at all three levels, quite frankly. So from the, the absolute nuts and bolts, the, the, the stuff that really is probably what you think about most when you think about coaching, a plan, feedback, a little bit of accountability, a little bit of motivation. Uh, three times a week, you, you get to pick my brain or ask questions. I'll respond um, at the coterie level, all the way up to the concierge level, which is all the bells and whistles, all the extra things, including... And, and don't want to bury the lead, including literally showing up on race day, running your race next to you, helping pace you, help motivate you from the start to the finish. You know, not something I think a lot of coaches offer, um, but it's available. It's available if that's something that you think might help you. And there's a lot of other extra bells and whistles there, too. Of course, nestled in between the two, we got the we got the one to one coaching, which will um, provide a lot more interaction. You know, daily messaging if, if as as necessary, monthly phone calls. Uh, you know, lo- just a lot more real time back and forth, um, which kind of nestles in the middle of those of those two extremes of the coaching spectrum that I offer. So, if you want to check out more details, of course, we got everything listed out and hopefully explained relatively clearly on the website disruns.com/slash/coaching for the general overview. And then as you scroll down towards the bottom of that page, there's, uh, you know, you can click on each of the different types of coaching and get the the real details. Uh, I try not to hold anything back, try to make it as crystal clear as possible to help you decide which level of coaching might be right for you. Uh, if you might think that I would be the right coach for you and, and new, you know, spoiler alert, newsflash, you can enjoy the podcast and also think, you know what? He's probably not the right coach for me. That's cool. But if you, if you listen to the show, you kind of get a feel for my personality. And you think that I might work well with you or you might work well with me. We might work well with each other. Check out disruns.com slash coaching. See which options might make the most sense for you, both from what you want as a runner and also what fits in your budget. Because let's not kid ourselves. That's also a concern. I get it. Totally get it. Uh, but disruns.com slash coaching it has all the details. Let me know if you have any questions. As always, I'm not going to try to sell you. I'm not going to try to push you in any one direction. I'll just answer your questions, give you the information that you're looking for, and trust that you know, you're an adult enough to take the information and do what's ultimately right for you. So disruns.com slash coaching for all the details. Any questions, let me know. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, my guest today has been running for uh, quite a few years now. And, and from what I can tell, from what he shared with me, he finished his first marathon back in 1998, which puts him at close to 25 years or closing in on 25 years of, of running, at least running races. Who knows how much he was running before that? And uh, in the past 15 years or so, uh, at least by my math, he's run over 60 ultras, uh, which includes 1,800 plus milers. And uh, both of those numbers are still being added to going forward, or at least 
God willing, being added to going forward into the future. So uh, clearly, this guy is uh, is a bit of a beast when it comes to running. And uh, I'm looking forward to picking his brain a little bit, learning more about his journey, and hopefully having a little bit of fun today uh, in today's chat with Mr. Tim Hardy. So, Tim, thanks for joining us today, and, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Denny, for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Well, good deal, good deal. And y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, you want to kind of follow along with Tim more in, in uh, his future endeavors, whatever whatever races and whatever events he's got coming up, uh, oneaveragerunner.wordpress.com is the link back to his website with lots of, um, you know, recaps and write-ups on the races and lots of lots of really detailed recaps. Good stuff there if you want to read more about him. Uh, on Facebook, you can find him at One Average Runner, just all all one big word together. And on Twitter, it's the same, but it's different. It's also at One Average Runner, but on Twitter, it's the number one average runner, uh, both for the website and on Facebook. It's spelled out O-N-E, but on Twitter, it's the number one average runner, all one word together. And uh, as per usual, if you're, if you're lost in translation, can't remember if it's a one or it's the word or this, that, or the other, just go back to the show notes. We'll have everything linked up. Dizruns.com slash 1042. Dizruns.com slash 1042. We'll get you back to the show notes for today. Photos, links, the whole nine as per usual. So, Tim, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with uh, what's a simple question to ask. Sometimes it's a simple question to answer, but for you ultra-distance people, it's a, it's a little bit more complicated uh, because there's so many, so many options. There's a lot of options for us that don't run lots of ultras, but if you go into the ultra distance, it's uh, just the, the amount of options is ridiculous. But one way or another, it's a good way to start the conversation. That's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? That is a great question. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. And, and um, you know, I'll probably be long winded on this. I, I mean, Facts are stubborn things to quote a former president. So if you were to go by that, I would, I would say 50 Ks because I've done more 50 K races than any race I've done 30 or somewhere between 30 and 35 of those. But on the flip side of that, I've been doing ultras for a while, as you talked about, and I'm drawn like a moth to a flame or maybe a moth to a blue bug zapper to the big gnarly hundred mile distance races because hundreds are such a unique and difficult animal. And, and um, I just, I, I love being in a race where you're just out there working your fourth point of contact off to get to the finish line. It's not slow average. And, you know, I, it takes me anywhere from 26 to 30 hours to finish a race, but I just love that distance. But ultimately when thinking about this, my, my, this is going to sound crazy, but my favorite distance is the, the long point to point 500 kilometer Vol state heart of the South format. I just, I, I love those races. I love that big get out on the course and get out there. And you got one thing you got to focus on for literally days on end. That that's my favorite that, you know, I've been thinking and thinking about that. And that's my favorite format. You know, I, I'm signed up for heart of the South again this year. And I, I can't wait to get out there and do that. That sounds kind of crazy or uh, I don't know what it sounds like, but that big open road, multi-day self-reliance survive on your own out there that that's my favorite format it really is after trying a bunch of different distances that's the one fair enough fair enough who am i to argue when somebody says that's what that's what they like to do it's not, it's it's crazy to me um but uh it, it, it if i'm honest it's also crazy enough to be somewhat intriguing uh obviously a big undertaking when you're looking at running for however many days that takes to go 300 plus miles. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's an undertaking. And I, I don't know that I was planning to jump to this right away, but since, since that was where we went off the, off the drop, we'll start there. 
Um, you've done a couple of all states. You've done Heart of the South at least once or twice, if my memory serves, is, is going through. Like you said, you've got one coming up. Um, for, for those that really aren't familiar about what those races entail, I mean, you kind of gave the Cliff Notes version, you know, 300 plus miles. You start, you finish, and you just kind of go. But what are, what are the logistics of running a race right. like that in terms of, right. I mean, you know, when you talk about 100 miles to 24 to, to 30-hour races, like you're probably going straight through, blah, 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 blah. But you're going five, six days, like – sleeping planning like like what what goes into a, a run on a race like that there, there one, of, one of the things that i found really intriguing the first time i did the last annual all state i've i'd followed it forever and i've done a lot of different lazarus lake races he's the infamous lazarus lake he's the rd he created it and i followed it forever and in 2018, I finally, like, that's it. I, you know, after following it all 2017 and, you know, have friends on the course and everything, I finally signed up for it. And it, it's really well organized. I mean, the the race finishes in a place called, this is both for the last annual Vol State 500K, 314-mile race, and the last annual Heart of the South. They finish in a place called Castle Rock, Georgia. And for Vol State, it starts across the Mississippi River in Missouri. You get on a ferry, you get off the boat in Hickman, Kentucky, and then you're on foot, you have 240 hours from the point where you get on that ferry to the point where you've got to get the Castle Rock and you've got to do at least 50 kilometers a day, 31 miles a day. So that right there, it's a major logistical undertaking. And and Laz has got it really well organized. You get on a bus on Wednesday morning. Uh, the race always starts the second Thursday in July. That's Ball State. And Heart of the South starts the third Thursday in June. And you don't know what the distance of that race is. That's, that's, it's kind of like the early Vol State days. But uh, the race starts at 7.30 Central Time on Thursday morning, and you have 240 hours, which takes you all the way out to the following Sunday to finish that race, to cover 314 miles, 500 kilometers. So you ride a bus all the way out to Hickman, Kentucky. You stay in a hotel the night before. You get on a bus Thursday morning at 6.00. You drive out to the Mississippi River, get on the ferry, ride the ferry across the river. Everybody unloads from the ferry, all the runners, both crewed and un- both crewed and uncrewed, which the uncrewed category, crewed means you can have your family out there. So that's a whole different logistical thing, you know. I, I don't know why you want to – there's nobody I dislike enough to actually ask to crew me <laughs> for 10 straight days, <laughs> you know. But um, So everybody gets on the ferry, you get across to the – Darina Landing in Missouri, the race director at 7.30 lights a camel cigarette. Everybody get that starts the race. You get on the, you get back on the ferry. You go about a mile and a half across the river. You get off the ferry and you're, you're like on the western edge of Kentucky on the Mississippi River in Hickman, Kentucky. And you start heading south by southeast all the way to the north, the northwest corner of Georgia. So, there's the pre-race logistics, which are really well organized. You know, I mean, between the bus ride and the last supper and race organization and all that stuff. And then, then basically you're out on your own. It's, you've got 10 days to get to the finish line. What you want to carry is up to you. You need one thing. You, you need to have a cell phone so you can check in at 7.30 in the morning and 7.30 in the evening and report your position. That's, that's all you owe the race. They got to be able to find you. That's it. You know, so whatever you need to survive out there for however long it's going to take you to, to finish that race, whether, you know, you're a, you're a really awesome endurance athlete and you can finish that race in five days or four days or last year, Bob Hearn finished Ball State in 
three days and four hours unsupported, which is just unbelievable. That, that's a course record that may never be broken, but you're carrying whatever you need to survive. And, you know, you're surviving from convenience store to convenience store to convenience store. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of towns with little hotels on the course that you can sleep in if you, you want to, but it's up to you, whatever you do. You just can't get in the vehicle once you start. So there's all sorts of logistical challenges. You know, it's where do you sleep? Where do you get water? How much water am I carrying? What do I do to take care of my feet? It's, and it's, I mean, you're out there surviving and you're basically you end up crossing Tennessee from the Northwest corner of Tennessee to the Southeast corner of Tennessee. And you do it anywhere from, you know, the average, I think the overall average metric it takes, if you put all the racers together in their finish times, it's somewhere around the overall metric. I, I used to know what it was, but it's about eight, eight and a half days, eight days, 15 hours. So mm-hmm. that's generally, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it's actually, it's very challenging and it's, it's, it's a pretty rewarding experience. It's, it's, you know, it's like when you say, what's, what's your favorite race distance? I'll probably run a whole lot more 50 Ks. I love doing a 50 K. I love mm-hmm. doing an ultra. And I, you know, I have friends that are like, you know, you know, big time ultra enthusiasts. They don't even consider a 50 K and ultra. They're like, <laughs> well, you know, but, but it is, you know, and I, I love doing those. Like I, I live in the finger lakes in Western New York. I've done the finger lakes 50 K like 10 times. I'll, I'll keep doing that. That'll, that was the first ultra I ever did. And it'll be the last ultra I ever do probably. But, but I, I just, if if the ultra god said you can only do one race a year, that for the rest of your life it's Vol State. I just I just love the challenge and I love the format of the race. So, for you a little bit more specifically about Vol State, like what 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 is your or Heart of the South? I mean, not that they're the same, but same type of format situation. Right. Like, how do you go into those races in terms of like what's what's your plan? What kind of stuff do you bring with you? Since since like you said, it's pretty open ended. You can kind of do whatever you think you're going to need to do. What's how do you attack those right. races? I try I try I try to travel as light as possible. You know, I have um, I have a a um, Ultimate Direct, not to mention brands or anything, but I have an Ultra Direction FKT travel pack. You know, it's 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 basically a camel pack, and I travel really lightly. I mean, I, I've seen people on those courses with uh, twelve to twenty pounds. You know, carrying right. Shoot, two years ago, Heart of the South, a friend of mine was carrying a blow up air mattress. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so there's people that you know, it's everything you everything you have in your pack makes it more challenging for you to do the race. And I try to keep my pack as small as possible. I have, I have a couple of friends that have done both these races numerous times. They carry a wallet and a phone, you know, and they, and you know, they're from the Southeast and they've done these races and, and uh, they, they can survive point to point, but my pack's pretty small, but I've got stuff that I've got to have. Obviously I, I carry water. I carry two liters of water. The first, you know, two one liter water bottles up front. The first year I did it, I also had that. And I had a two liter bladder in, in my back because I didn't want to be, you know, my army background. You never want to run out of water, which you never want to run a run out of water in the middle of July out of all state courts anyway. But um, I've been able to get that down to two 22 ounce bottles of water. And that's the main thing. But my pack's really small. I've got my my phone. I've got a charging cable. I've got an external battery. Um, I, I wear in Gigi socks, crew socks, and I carry two pairs of those. 
Um, I wear a ball cap, obviously shorts, T-shirt. I've got a the cheap dollar ninety nine poncho. Um, I've got a long <laughs> pair of uh, Mobin sleeves that I wear just when it gets really hot out, or maybe at night when it gets really cold. And um, you know, besides that, it's really basic stuff. It's toothbrush, toothpaste, sunscreen, and uh, stuff to take care of my feet with, and two extra pairs of socks. And um, occasionally I have cigars in my pack, which doesn't really go with running, but that's all <laughs> I need to survive out there and sunglasses. So it's, it's yeah. pretty like my pack. Well, that's, and that's when the name of the game, going, obviously. Like you know, when I'm real. Oh, and there's one other thing I've got to know. No, go, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, there's one other thing I forgot. I always have an umbrella, a small, cheap umbrella. That, that sounds really weird, but it's a really useful tool out there. And people are really trying to burn time, you know, get done four days, three days, sub five days, which I have come close to yet. They might not carry an umbrella, but I do because I'm mostly I'm mostly road marching. And I have that is like the most useful tool. It keeps the sun off you. It keeps rain off you, even though sometimes you forget that you have the thing in the back. If you have it out, it's a great shield against dogs. It's it's a great tool. Mm-hmm. But basically, my pack full of water weighs eight and a half pounds. I try to get a little lighter than that. So gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's you know just just the logistics of something like that. It's obviously it's a little bit um, a lot to go, a lot to consider, a lot to think about. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, the more multi-use tools like an umbrella that you can come up with, the better because. You know, that's like right. Said, the fewer things you're carrying, the, the less weight you've got. Um, you know, not that it's going to be easy, but the easy, slightly easier it is on day five, six, seven, as you as you keep getting across the state. For sure, um, every every couple of ounces add up, and that's where. And you know, I learned this in the army: the more weight you have on the back, the more your feet absorb that, and the more it it impacts your feet and causes blisters, that and dehydration, everything. And, the more weight you have in your pack, the the harder your event is. So, you know, you try. I try to stay light. You no, know, it just it just depends on it just depends on who the people. You know, some people they won't bring two pairs of socks, or some people will bring. Uh, I've seen people out there. They've got shoes they wear in the day and sandals at night. It's crazy, <laughs> but no, they're really unique events, and I, I just I love that format for sure. Yeah, and, and I'm sitting here kind of thinking about. Um, and I guess I'd never really done this math before. I've, I've heard about, I've talked to people that have done Vol State before and, and whatnot, but the last couple of years I did the the great virtual race across Tennessee. Um, fun and, event. Uh, yeah, definitely a fun event, but I'm just sitting here thinking like, you know, you, you got that race that, that, that took me, I think the first year it took me about three months last year. I did the, 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 you know, there and back. So I did it about two months each, each direction. Yep. And then, uh, you know, you just, you just kind of put it into context like, oh yeah, you know, I do it in less than 10 days and it's just like, ridiculous ridiculous yeah the, the, yeah <laughs> I, I i've done it the, the past two years too and uh and you know you know where the the g-rat comes from the great virtual race across Tennessee, don't you laz has had oh, that the Philistines. The, the, La, well i mean i don't know but mm-hmm. i know he he's actually thought about actually putting that race together like having a real-time race like that from where it started, they did the, I guess it's, I want to say it started in Memphis the year before and went all the way to the, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand kilometers to the northeast corner of uh, to Tennessee. And 
I'd kind of like to see that thing become a reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, he's, he's a, I know he's bounced that on the, uh, the ultra list of stuff, asking if people would be interested in that. And, you know, a lot of people say they would, but it, you know, it's a pretty big thing. It's a pretty big commitment when you start. I mean, that's the thing with, you know, you start talking logistics with heart of the South and ball state. I mean, the race, the race clock's 10 days. So you're talking that that's two weeks. I mean that's two weeks just for the race. Never mind, never mind getting ready for it. So, so if, you know, GVRAP becomes a reality, you're talking that's probably twenty twenty one days there. But I might try it. Yeah, if it if it turned into the real thing. Yeah, it's it's an undertaking. There's there's no question about that. And and uh, you know, I I don't know. I I, I do know. I, I have no real interest in doing something like that in a in a one off race situation. But talking to you crazy people that that would be up for that type of challenge is uh, something that, that I'm ex- always excited about. But, um, you know, l- l- like we said in the, in the intro, and, and like I told you before we even got started officially, uh, I feel like there's so many areas we could discuss today and, and things to talk about that we're probably not going to get to just because we're not going to be here for six hours today. Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned the military background, being in the, in the Army for, for, I feel like, 20 years, as I, I saw on the website. Um, was that where you got started in running or were you a, a runner before you went into the service? Um, it's real, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I've always been a jock. I mean, I was a jock in high school and everything, but I was a ball sport guy. I never did a race before I got in the army. Like I, you know, I was, I joined the army late. I enlisted in the army at the age of 30. I, I was still doing basketball and, you know, softball and all that stuff. And I mean, I, you know, we do laps and stuff in high school and I, I you know, and I, I was, I was a small football player. I mean, I weighed 152 pounds with my equipment on and I was a wide receiver and defensive back and, you know, Farsi and JV, you do laps and you have to run around the field. And I was a pretty good runner, but I never, i never did a race. But when I got in the army, when I first got in the army, I got the chance to go to Ranger Regiment and you run every day there. I mean, it's, it's every at least it used to be when I was there in the nineties. I mean, you'd be, you'd be, I mean, they they have a, a standard where you put the whole, if you have a, a, a large unit run, whether it's a company or a platoon or a battalion or the whole regiment, you're going to cover five miles in 40 minutes. And anybody that doesn't make that is you're out, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're, you're RFS, you're relieved for standards. So that's where I learned to be a runner. And uh, I've never been, you know, I'm a very average runner, but, but uh, I've run with some really good people and, and um, uh, you know, I spent 20 years in the army and I ran all the time. I, I didn't, uh, but I, I'd never, I, besides an army, you know, an occasional army, well, you know, you get tested and, you know, you do unit runs and stuff like that. Running, running was always more work related for me. It was like, okay, I'm going to run in this formation with, a hundred other people and this person in front of me is going to be arm's length and that person is going to be arm's length. And there's no way they're not going to be more than arm's length because I get yanked out of the formation and cut, you know? So, <laughs> right. so it was always kind of work. And then, uh, you know, but you know, when you surround yourself with great people, you, you start, um, your own expectations for yourself start to get bigger and bigger. And, you know, Hey, Hardy, we're going to go do this race this weekend. You're coming I'm like, okay, I'll be there kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's basically, that's basically, I mean, my, I think I'm trying to remember what my first race was. And, um, I think my first real civilian race was, um, I think it was a marathon. I think I got, 
Well, I, I, I remember the story, but I don't remember doing an actual race that wasn't an army unit run besides getting punked into doing a marathon. And uh, <laughs> no, that's a whole different story. But that, that's that's how I got started running. And, you know, I'd running every day and and you, <laughs> it was some, you know, when you're, I spent 10 years in the infantry and it's a, it's a pretty, not to sound sexist, but it's a pretty testosterone laden environment. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you get out there with your friends and it's like, Okay, you know, and I was always older than everybody. I mean, I, I enlisted at the age of 30, and then I went to officer candidate school and graduated there when I was 34. So, you know, my peers are all these 22 and 23-year-old lieutenants. And I'd always be the guy like, you guys can run your, you know, we get together at officer runs, unless it was driven, I'd be like, you know, if it was just a group of us running, I'd be like, okay, I'm running eight-minute pace. You guys want to take off, take off. But the next thing you know, you know, we're four miles into this and everybody's trying to beat everybody else at a 620 pace. It's like, and everybody's like swearing at everybody after. What were you running so fast for me? It was, it was you. I mean, back, you know, good times, you know, back in the day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to let you, you unless, unless you'd rather not, but you, you kind of mentioned that first marathon is, is a bit of a story of, of uh, getting into that. Can you shine a little light on how that come, came about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, when I was, when I was growing up and this is going to really age me, but I, you know, I, when my father, I was an air force brat, my dad retired from the air force to Connecticut, you know, all, all our families from new England. And I was growing up in Connecticut in the seventies, the late seventies. And that was during the bill Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, Frank shorter Salazar heyday. And Rogers was huge in new England. And, you know, all the marathons would be on there when he was running, winning Boston, New York. And I always thought, <clears throat> I was a ball sport guy. You know, I, I wanted to be like the center fielder for the Yankees or catch wide receivers for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, being a short average white guy. That, that seemed reasonable, you know. But uh, but I always thought, you know, marathons look really hard, but I, I know I could do one of those. So flash forward to 1995, I'm an officer, I'm a lieutenant. And I'm in a long range surveillance unit in Germany, which was a great unit. And I, I was a com, it's an infantry unit that takes guys and turns them into, I mean, these guys, these guys could hide in your backyard and watch what you're doing and you wouldn't know they're there. It sounds kind of creepy, but that's what they do. And I was a combo platoon leader there. And there's like four platoons of people. And this was in the mid nineties when we were completely involved in Bosnia. You know, that's, that was the whole thing. And, um, we'd already done a one-year tour there, but then we had a task force set up for the your first infantry division commander where we're trying to catch war criminals. We're trying to find them and catch them because the first infantry division guy was a guy named David Grange. He was a commander, a special ops guy. And he's like, we're here. We're going to catch, we're going to go catch some bad guys. So our company had six LURS teams looking for people. We had some special forces, really highly qualified communications people monitoring commo. And we had some Navy special operations guys there. This is all part of our task force. And our LURS company was running it. And somehow I ended up being the operations officer there. It's not somehow. One of my best friends from OCS was the operations officer. We'd gone to officer candidate school together. And, what, you know, I'd already been to Bosnia for 18 months. And one day my company commander comes to me and is like, hey, Tim, Carl's going to come back here to Germany and then go to jump master school. And you're going to go be the operations officer in Bosnia for task force, whatever, until he comes back. And I was like, sir, why don't I just go to jump master? And he was like, your plane <laughs> leaves Thursday. I'm like, OK, so I'm back in Bosnia and Tuesday East and we're doing all these cool missions. And this is a really long winded story. I'm sorry. But um, then 
the command changed and Gr David Grange, Major General leaves and first armored division comes in and they no longer want to have such a risky mission going on. So we're just, we, we've got a, you know, task force of six LURS teams, which is, you know, 40 something people and some Navy special operators that are just the, you know, I grew up in Ranger Regiment in the army, just studs, but Navy SEALs are, they, they might be bigger studs. And uh, <laughs> that's where I, first, I mean, I'd never, I'd, you know, a couple of times in Ranger Regiment, I'd run a 12 mile and a 15 mile race or not a race, but just training runs. Mm -hmm. And um, this team had a master chief named Patella and that guy was a big time endurance athlete. In fact, that's the first time I ever heard about a race called Western States. You know, I'm sitting there and they're doing operation officer stuff. He's on the laptop saying, damn, this is going to be the first year a Navy guy wins the Western States 100. And I'm just looking at him. He's like, I'm like Western States 100. He's like, you never heard of that? So, I mean, he had his guys and you're talking about some big giant studs. And, and um, so when first armored division comes in, they said, yeah, we're not going to do this mission anymore. We don't want anybody stepping on the mine. So um, find something, you know, they didn't say find something to do, but we're all doing training and stuff. And we're doing these operational meetings. And this is a really long winded story. But um, I'm the operations officer, and our LURST guys have a platoon leader who's still one of my best friends, Darren Evans. And both, back in the time, we were both first lieutenants, you know. And that's really the way we got to know each other, doing this task force, because he had just shown up in our unit. And so we're sitting there, and we keep we, every week we had these training meetings, and it's like a Tuesday. And, like, um, the end of September, Chief Patel's like, oh, yeah, and – in four weeks, we're going to do the first ever Tuzla Marathon. You know, our entire team's going to go out and we're going to, you know, we're on a base called Tuzla, Maine. It's a military airfield. And he's like, you could do four loops that, you know, we go end to end four times at six miles. And then there's a two mile. We'll do the two mile first and six, 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 six. It's going to be the first ever marathon in, in Bosnia. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. And, you know, every Tuesday goes by, yep, we're still on schedule for October 27th, this and that, this and that. And, and then so the so then we get to that week, flash forward to that week, and we're sitting in a Tuesday meeting, and Patella goes, yep, you know, this is Tuesday. He goes, yep, Thursday, you know, marathon's kicking off, and um, anybody wants to do it. And we're all sitting there, and you know, I'm just looking at them and had no whatsoever. and and Darren, first Lieutenant Darren Evans, he goes, yeah, Lieutenant Hardy and I were talking about that. We're going to run that with you. And I'm just like, <laughs> did, I, did I just hear that? Did he, was that, and I'm just looking at him because it was like, I, I, I never, you know, I was like, but then I go back to, I'm thinking, yeah, and I always thought I could run a marathon. So yeah, some, you know, I got punked into running it and, and, um, and short story long, I did not finish. I mean, I'm trying to run keep up with, you know, I mean, I'm running eight minutes. This is so mm -hmm. funny when I look back at it, cause it's like do the first two loops, you know, the first two miles. And I mean, you know, we're all wearing PTs. And it's just a bunch of guys running back and forth point to point and, you know, no pacing whatsoever. I'm like trying to, you know, it's like trying to finish. I didn't even drink any water anywhere on the course. I didn't even have any water laid out. It's like at 18, I never, been in so much physical pain that I can remember. I mean, I played football when I started Ranger school. I had a stress fracture in my ankle. I mean, I'd, I'd been injured before. At 18 miles, I couldn't walk forward. I couldn't walk mm. backward. I mean, it was just I walked into my tent and laid down and, and went to sleep. It was <laughs> it was complete. It was it was such a humbling experience. It was like, oh my god! But after that, I ended up, um, you know, when we redeployed, I ended up 
signing up with my buddy Darren, my other friend Kevin, and we ran the Prague Marathon in May. And then we ran um, Berlin in September and Frankfurt in October. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool doing marathons all over Europe. But yeah, I was like, yeah, Lieutenant Hardy and I were talking about, we're going to run that with you. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe you said that, but that's, that's my infamous start in endurance athletic. I still, I still, I still, you know, he, Darren doesn't do long distance events anymore. And not like he used to, I mean, he's a retired Lieutenant Colonel now. And uh, he, He's, you know, he pinged me the other day and he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not doing any crazy events like you, but I'm starting to get back and I'm thinking about a marathon. I'm like, like me, you got me into this. You know, it was, it was all inevitable once, once you got me started doing that. So yeah, that was my long way got punked into doing a marathon story. Yeah. It's yeah. And then, and then under the bridge from here. Definitely. And, and no real, uh, slowing down and, and at least in terms of, of races and, and continuing to go and continuing to go. And um, speaking of continuing to go, did I see on your, your website that there was like a 14 year, are you still going on your, on some ridiculous running streak? Uh, I, I do have a, I do have a running streak going. Yeah. Yeah. That, that also, uh, that also started an infamy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I try so many different training programs, the whole, you know, run three days a week, five days a week with a long run and this and that. And between work and always having a house to remodel and stuff, it's like, you know, and I'll be honest, I'm, I don't get all fired up to go out and do a 20 or 25 mile run by myself. Mm-hmm. That's what I use races for. But, um, you know, before I got an endurance run, I'd never failed anything in the army or anything like that. But the first year I did ultras, I did, uh, I did three or four 50 Ks. I did a 50 miler. This is in, in 2007. And I, and, you know, I was still, I, I got into, I got into ultras cause I want to get faster to qualify for the Boston marathon. And then I'd moved to upstate New York to Fort drum. I, the army transferred me there. You know, my, both my wife's family and I were all from new England. I'm, we want to get closer home. And I was kind of like, Oh, maybe I should see if I can get Fort drum. And, you know, I, I, when I, when I talked to my branch manager, I, I mean, the, the orders to go to Fort Drum were in my inbox, like before I got off the phone, because <laughs> really nobody asked to go to Fort Drum because it's, there are parts of Canada that are south of Fort Drum. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's at the east end of Lake Ontario and they get 12 feet of snow a year up there. And it's like, oh, Fort Drum, yeah, we could probably make that happen. So anyway, <laughs> we, we moved here and I started looking at all these different, you know, marathons and I came across a couple ultras and I'm thinking, and this is my way of thinking it's like well if i run for you know i've been doing a couple marathons per per year and i'm like but i'm not getting closer to qualify for boston because you know when you're trying to you think you're getting better you want to get better everybody wants to run boston and uh i wasn't training hard i wasn't doing long runs but i'm like well you know what if i start training a couple of these ultras i'll be running longer so i'll get faster and just it'll be easy to qualify for boston but uh so to how my streak started the first year I, i ran like three or four ultras, mostly 50 Ks, you know, the finger lakes, 50, you know, I just, I came, it was like May and it's like, you know, looking for a marathon to run. They came across ultras. It's like finger lakes, 50 K July 4th weekend. I'm in, I'll try it. You know, it was like, I could get faster and be a better marathon runner, qualify for Boston. Six weeks later, I was, I was running my first ultra marathon and I ended up doing three, two or three 50 Ks, the escarpment trail run, which is a really cool shorter event that takes an ultra marathon effort, ran the can Lake 50. And 
saw this thing called the Hellgate 100K and talked my way into that. You know, Dr. David Horton, I think I can, I think I can do this race. And uh, I timed out. Um, that's a really unique, really hard 100K race. It's actually longer than that. But it starts at midnight. And so, you know, being in the Army, it's like starts at midnight. So I should automatically be doing reverse cycle training and, you know, running really late at night and stuff. But when you get up and you have to be to work at six in the morning, it's like, eh, you know. And uh, I just figured I'd tough it out. But I, I timed out at 22 miles. And that was the end of my first, you know, that was the first thing I failed at. But I ultimately, if you, if you fail at an ultra or you fail at a race, because you haven't trained right. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, you can hydrate, you know, there could be an injury or something like that. But if, if you train right, you're going to get to the finish line. If you do the training and, you know, suck it up on the course and get mentally tough on the course where you need to be. If you have a good training base, it makes it a lot easier to be mentally tough. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say you just got to be mentally tough. But I, I wasn't doing enough running and I came up short in that race. And I was I was going to I was like, gonna, I had this goal where I was doing 100 miles a month which sounds, you know, back then sounded like a lot, 25 miles a week. <laughs> and I was this close to not even making my 1200 mile goal for the year. And Hellgate's the second, the second Saturday in December in the mountains in, in, in Virginia, you know, it's a winter race. And, uh, I'd boloed that. And I was just like, you know what? Two days later, December 13, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, run every day to see, to get some mileage built and try to make my, my, uh, hundred mile goal here and get the 1200 for the year. And, uh, you know, it was 21 days and I, I just kept going and I've, I've been getting mileage in every day, you know, it's since then. And, and actually, um, a lot of people tell you, I don't do things the same as most people, but a lot of people tell you, <laughs> you can't train like that a bad way to build mileage you're just going to get hurt but i i and and i've gotten a lot older and slower but but i get out and i get mileage in every day and uh you know a lot more of it now is more focused towards the 500 kilometer race i always have my pack on so i'm not running this as you know i'm I, I I run and I road march and I run and I road march while I'm training so that 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 keeps me longer too but since i started my streak 50 miles a week is nothing, you know. I, I uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting in crazy miles like some of those people in Givrat do. You know, the the top <laughs> twenty finishers kind of thing. It's like, you know, how do people run five thousand, six thousand kilometers in ninety days? I don't know how they have time mm-hmm. for that. But, but my streak keeps me in the fifty to sixty to seventy mile per week range. So, you know, that gets me. I'm not as fast as I used to be. Like I, I can't even imagine like trying to qualify for Boston right now or anything like that, but it gets me to most at least 20, you know, I, I can get the finish lines doing that. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, if I want to do something big and gnarly, like a really vertical trail race or something, I need to do the special training for that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I started my streak December 13th, 2007. And it's still, it's still going. Still rolling. Yeah. You know, I think that that one of the things that that all of us in, in as runners hopefully don't have to deal with, but at least it's in the back of the mind at some point, and a lot of us have to deal with it at various points is is injuries and and sometimes yep. the, the necessity to take time off because of an injury. Fourteen plus years, like like I don't know a better way to say it than, but like what what's what's works for you 
to stay healthy so that you're able to, I mean, obviously at some point you run every day, your body starts to adapt and the, and the stress of running every yep. day isn't as big of a deal, but you're still like, it's not like you're quote unquote, just logging 50 miles a week without doing any type of massive races, 500 miles, like, like 500 kilometers. Like some of these big things are still a big stressor. How do you, what, what seems to work for you as far as staying healthy to keep running as much as, as you're, you've been doing over the last you know 14 years at this point? Well, I think when you're doing a streak, it builds resilience for sure. I mean, it, it just does. I mean, I've I've run through injuries. Like I, I, I injured my knee. I never had it looked at, but it, it was injured, and I didn't do anything dramatic, but just you know, run lightly on it till that went away. And I've got I've got some things with my, you know, at the risk of sounding mortal, haha. Um, you know, I've got some injuries and stuff in my back, but. Um, um, it's just something I, I do every day. I mean, I've been lucky. I haven't been really hurt or broken or any bones or anything like that, but it, it's not like I don't, uh, I don't do anything else. I mean, we own horses. Uh, my wife always wanted to own horses. And when we get out of the army, we, we got them. And, um, you know, I mean, we don't ride like we used to, but there's been a couple, I'm not a good rider. There's been a couple of times I went off the horse and, uh, mm. I, I've just been lucky. I, I learned a lot about taking care of myself while I was in the army. And, um, and I run on a lot of different surfaces too. You know, I, um, I, I run trails, I run roads so that, that builds resilience. And, you know, when I, when I'm doing a trail race, I'm not running a six minute pace, but you know, there, there's been a lot of times where I've gone down and, but I, I learned how to fall in the army too. The army, spent a lot of money to teach me how to land and not get hurt. But in a lot of ways, I, I've just been lucky. But um, I, I think having a streak builds a level of resilience where, you know, your, your bones just get calibrated. Your orthopedic infrastructure is calibrated because you know you're going to get out there and run. Your body just knows it is. Your body knows things your mind doesn't know, you know. And right. you, you've probably noticed this when you're training a lot harder. You don't start sweating until you're done running. My I'm in that calibrated mode all the time. I mean, my, you know, my streak will end at some point. I, I could get hit by a car tonight running on the road, but, um, or at some point it will just end, but it's just, it's running's not the same thing as doing something like aerobics or, you know, it's straight ahead running and it's not, you know, if you, if you've ever played ball sports and you, you roll your ankle the way they, the way they test you to bring you back is they have you run side to side and run the figure eight to see what your ankle can do. You know, so you, um, that that's not like straight ahead running or anything like that, but I, I can't explain why I haven't been injured. I, I mean, I know a lot of streak runners and um, one of the guys that I know that's had the long one, a guy I know that had the longest streak ever, that I know personally, I mean, this dude been running for 37 years. He got COVID. He got, he didn't get a mild case of COVID. He, mm. he got COVID to the point where he was in the hospital for two weeks and his streak ended. So um, I've just been able to keep mine going and I, I've made it a priority to get out and get at least, you know, my 30 minutes a day. And it, it takes a lot for me to even think about not doing it quite honestly. Right. But right. um there, I mean, there have been days where it's been harder. You know, I've, I've run every day after 100-mile races. And uh, yeah. you know, that, that first mile, mile and a half is pretty painful. But then it, it's kind of cleansing. You know, it, it kind of it helps mm -hmm. me work through injuries. It does. I uh, the, 
I was seven months into my streak and I have this thing with my back. I have curvature of the spine. Every once in a while, I'll pick something up and twist the wrong way. And, you know, you get the shocks down your leg and I'm incapacitated. And I'd done that. And, um, you know, I was en route to a friend of mine's wedding, my nephew's wedding, and I could barely ride in the vehicle. And I was thinking, you know what, I'm not going to run tonight. And we got to the hotel and I had some time. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go run. And uh, I went out and ran and the first quarter to half mile was brutal. And then my back loosened up and it just felt way better. Like if I hadn't gone running, I would have sat there all weekend with my back miserable. But by the time I got done running, everything had just loosened up. My back felt better. And I was, you know, I was at the wedding that night feeling much better. I would have been sitting there incapacitated. So, so it's a long winded answer, but uh, no. And, and I mean, I feel like, you know, we were, we as humans have been kind of made to move and, and, you know, absolutely. obviously there's a, there's a point where continuing to move could make situations worse, but, but I do, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm on the same wavelength for you as, as well with it. Sometimes just because something's a little bit off and maybe, maybe you go shorter, maybe you don't go as, as fast or as hard or, or whatever, but that movement, can be a big key to kind of spur in our bodies to, to take care of themselves. And then, like you said, avoiding a weekend of misery by grinding out through a mile or two. And all of a sudden, you know, the body starts to, to come around. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, we evolved to be persistence hunters. Mm-hmm. We evolved to run down game and we evolved to outrun game and we can, human beings can outrun anything. It's like people in this day and age are like, what makes you, I mean, a 50 kilometer, 31 miles why would you ever want to do that it's like and that's what we evolved to do i mean mm-hmm. you know you see all the hollywood movies the west was one on horseback people walked i mean they took whatever possessions they could carry like you're at ball state and they walked to the west coast i mean we evolved <laughs> to be pedestrians and um it's it's only natural that mm-hmm. i mean it, and i think it's you're exactly right you made the point much more succinctly than me I mean, certainly, I mean, you have a major injury. It doesn't behoove you to keep moving, but I mean, I, you know, when I, when I was a sports jock, I mean, all of us, you get hurt and you want to keep playing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, it, it would take a major injury and I, I haven't had one knock on wood and I've been lucky, but a big part of it is just calibrating yourself to go out and run every day for sure. And right. not for nothing, but, um, I weigh a couple pounds less than when I joined the army in 1991 still. And wow. I'm not young anymore. And that's, that's <laughs> been part of it. It's been a big part of my streak. Keeps me healthy. Yeah. No, keeps no me focused. Oh, and it gets Lord me knows. out of the house away from the TV every night too, which yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as, as we're getting close to, to wrapping up today, Tim, and I, and I, I proved myself right. Once again, I, we could, I could keep going for days. I, I don't know about everybody else listening. I don't know about you, too. how much you want to keep talking, but I could, I could keep doing this for a while and, and, you know, hopefully maybe somewhere sure. down the road, we can circle back up again. But um, last question that, that is a little different than my normal. Uh, I normally close with a philosophical question, something very open-ended and, and kind of let things go. But sometimes depending on how the course of the conversation goes, I maybe get a little less philosophical, a little more practical. Uh, and I guess that's kind of where I, I want to wrap up today. But like you said, um, and if people have been doing the math and, and the numbers, you know, you kind of know about where you are age wise and, and all of us are older today than we were yesterday. And good Lord willing, we'll be older yeah. tomorrow than, than we are today. Um, but, but for those of us that have been running for a while and, you know, father time keeps marching on, um, 
as, as we get older, sometimes that means things have to change. Maybe it's goals, maybe it's ambitions, yep. how we train, et cetera, et cetera. Just curious that, you know, over, over the 14 year streak, over the 20 something years of, of running since you ran your first race and all the ultras and things like that, how is, how is running looked different for you or how does it continue to evolve for you as you've gotten older? Um, you know, maybe than where it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, things like that. Um, that's a great question. It, it's, um, I, I was never fast. I was never close to being an elite or competitive runner or anything like that. Um, but you know, I, I always wanted to, I always, you know, especially when I first came into ultras and marathons, uh, you know, where I grew up in the army, I felt like I should be able to run an eight or a nine minute pace, you know, I can run that all day. You know, there's, there's a cadence in the army that says that. And that that's what I, when I first got into marathoning and ultra running, I, I was so completely flustered when I couldn't do a 50 K in eight, nine or 10 minutes. But, um, but I used to do all my training at that pace, eight, nine, 10 minutes. And uh, the only, the only walking I would put into my, my running would be really in the army. We call it rucking. You load your 50 pound rucksack and go. But now um, I've gotten older and, you know, every January, there's still this little thing in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, okay, this is my personal best for a 5K. And, you know, all those little PRs come up and it used to be like, I could, I could break all those this year. I no longer think that way. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe I could do, you know, this year I'm going to go out and finish rim to river. Damn it. I'm not going to time out. But I've gotten, I've gotten slower and I've gotten more comfortable with that. And my running is more... Um, I'll get out there every night and I'll get three or four miles in and, you know, it'll be a 10 or 11 minute pace unless I'm going downhill. And, and then I'll, then I'll, I'll be running and walking and and I'm comfortable with that mentally, you know, and it's, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, and it keeps, it actually helps me prevent injuries too at the same time. I mean, it's just, um, I don't know if I'm aging mentally or, you know, someone listen to that and go, oh, he's just given up or this or that. It's just, it's just, I'm more calibrated to go. I'm trying to calibrate myself to be steady and maybe a bit slower than, you know, back in 2012, it was like, well, I want to finish the Arrowhead 135. I want to finish Badwater. I want to qualify for Boston all in one year. I don't try to be fast and great at everything anymore. Not that I ever was. It's just, I just try to stay steady and stay healthy and get the finish lines. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Tim and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your uh, takeaway du jour? Du jour. Uh, Earlier in the, relatively early in the episode, um, Tim was talking about having to train mental toughness and how obviously, you know, races like heart of the South and Vol state. And really, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, any ultra, any marathon, any half marathon, any, any distance that feels a little bit far that pushes you a little bit that you're pushing yourself to finish requires a degree of mental training, mental toughness. And in a lot of cases, I feel like that mental toughness kind of has to come through experience. And Tim was talking about training mental toughness and how those races help do that. And all I could keep thinking about, and, and still all I'm thinking about, and, and, and why this is my takeaway today, is that I, I feel like, for me personally, and, you know, I'm an N of one, just like everybody else is, so maybe maybe this doesn't relate across the board as much as it just relates to me, 
But I feel like you can't, like I can't separate mental training from physical training. Um, I feel like training for the races I've done and certainly nothing to the, the level of Vol State. And I don't know that I'll ever do anything to the level of Vol State. Although I also know to never say never. So, you know, to, to be determined. But in the races that I've, that I've done up to the, the 45-ish miler that uh, Kate and I did last, last fall, um, you know, I feel like a lot of the mental toughness that I had on race day that, that um, I was able to, to grind it out and get it done was cultivated from the physical training, from grinding out the training. And, and I guess my, my takeaway is, at least as, as I heard Tim mention it, it kind of sounded like he was talking about doing mental toughness training um, independent of the physical. And maybe, maybe I mistook it, but I just think they're so related. I think that, that the better you are trained as far as going up, leading up to your goal race and getting your miles in and doing your workouts and being consistent, that that, for me, again, for me as my N equals one, directly correlates to my mental preparedness and feeling mentally strong. And also, just like I think that, that physical training or, or you know the physical enhancements that we get to our fitness over time build from one race to the next... I also think that the same thing is true when it comes to, to our, my, my mental toughness, my mental training, my mentality, my ability to finish a race um, mentally strong has built over the years. You know, I, I, if you longtime listeners, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk many times in the past about my, my mental strength being maybe my biggest weakness. I still don't know that it's my greatest strength, but I don't know that it's my biggest weakness anymore either. I, I definitely feel like I'm getting stronger mentally. And I, again, I think that's just due to continuing to log miles, continuing to push myself physically, running more races, running more longer races, as far as some 50 K's, this one nonsense, 45 miler. Um, I, I just think that they're so related. So if you feel like your mental game could use a little step up, like I did for years, still do to, to be clear, I still think there's room for improvement, but I think there's room for improvement for me physically as well. I think that, that, yeah, you can do some things, some mental exercises, some visualizations, some mantras, things like that, for sure, for sure. But maybe, you know, keep grinding physically and see if that doesn't help you mentally as well. I don't know. That's that's what's sort of worked for me. Maybe I could get some more mental growth from doing some some mantras and some visualizations and some positive thinking and, and doing some of that type of work as well. But, uh, yeah, that was my takeaway today. Just that, that the, there is there's maybe less of a disconnect between mental training and physical training than I used to think. And uh, when when Tim was talking about that earlier in the episode, that really kind of triggered in my head of like, yeah, these these are related. At least for me, they're related. Maybe not so much for you. I don't know. I don't know your life. Um, and I don't know your takeaways. But if you're willing to share your takeaways from today's episode, I would love to hear them. You can shoot me a DM or tag me in a post at DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can also send an email to DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can also, also head over to the show notes for today. DizRuns.com slash 1046. DizRuns.com slash 1046. Photos, links, the whole nine. And of course, down at the bottom is that comment section. Feel free to, to type to your heart's content. Long, short, in between, whatever works for you. Your thoughts and your feedbacks from today's episode. I love to hear them. Love to see them. So feel free to share in whatever way makes the most sense for you. Uh, one last call or one last reminder. If you're if you're in the market for a coach, you think a coach might help. If you're just not even sure what coaching looks like or feels like, feel free to, to reach out or, or just head over to the website, disruns.com slash coaching, and at least get a feel for what my coaching looks like. To be, to be perfectly honest, as far as I can tell, a lot of... 
you know, there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of overlap, but there's also a lot of uniqueness from one coach to the next. What what makes what makes me different from all my peers is is me, quite frankly. So, you know, check out what I've got available. Check out what other coaches have available. And if you think that I might be the right fit for you, or I've got the right mix of nonsense and actual sense, um, tizruns.com/coaching has all the information, or at least has the general information about each of the different levels. Then you can dive in and look at each level more more specifically, find out the right one that's right for you. Sign-up information is right there on the website. And, of course, if you have any questions for me, just let me know, and I'll do my best to answer them without trying to push you in any particular direction. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Tim and I with you today. And uh, until next time, y'all, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.